Entering the Goat Zoom Room. Excited to be back. I'm Caitlin. That's Andy, and we are joined today by John Stetton of Pass the Wire. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, guys. Lots going on this weekend, but we're gonna just kind of chill and hang out, talk about some fun stuff. Uh, John, it's good to have you on. Uh, a pleasure, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Andy. We got a lot going on this week. Lots going on. Having John on the show. Anything new? No, you know, I think, I think the main, the the big reason why I wanted John on, not to mention he's got like a plethora of knowledge and all the way things have changed. I think he's a great person to have on to discuss this with. But as I was saying pre-show, I don't understand why so many people are tweeting out about the whole takeout, takeout's bad, takeout's bad, and then two weeks later somebody goes, "I just did a pick five or a pick four at Parks for." $250 on a $12 ticket. And I think it's just frustrating that so many people complain. What's the best way to get people to, to I guess, understand what takeout's about and how to help them become a better disciplined player, Jonathan? Well, it's, 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 it's interesting how you led into that because you said a lot has changed about the sport and that's, that's, that's very true. Uh, Unfortunately, one of the things that hasn't changed about it, Andy, is that, you know, r racing management and racetrack management has for years uh, gone on the premise that, that betters are degenerates and will bet on anything. And unfortunately, as, as you pointed out, more often than not, we prove them right. Uh, so you'll see consistently people complain about takeout complain about things that happen in the game that they don't like and don't don't approve of and yet they'll continually bet on those products and support those products and post you know tickets on those products and it's just uh you know proving management right that you know gamblers unfortunately a, a large number of them are 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 in that category of degenerates who'll just bet on anything uh you, you know gamblers in in this sport have a lot more power than they realize if they refuse to bet on a product and refuse to support an industry until certain changes are made and certain things happen, the industry would be forced to do it. Uh, but they don't do that because, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll bet on anything. And, you know, making better players and making the game, you know, different in, in, involves a lot. I've got a lot of thoughts on that, Andy. But, but one of the things that, you know, we missed the boat on in, in racing and then like the poker boom capitalized on is we've never really promoted our players and we've never really promoted the game as a skill game. I mean, most racetracks look at their gambler who is their core, is their, is their customer as like a necessary evil to, to run the show as opposed to someone they should embrace as their customer. And I think that's just an inherent problem to the game and it's, it's, it's hindered our growth a lot. You know, I always say, if you can't take care of your current customers, the people you have now, 
how can you attract and, and, and expect to grow and get new ones? You need to take care of the ones you have before you, you get new ones. Yeah, it's always, you know, I, I grew up in, I always call it like the golden age because now you don't, tracks are dying for various reasons, mainly because the real estate's more, much more of a deal than, than say the track itself. Hollywood Park comes to mind. Bay Meadows comes to mind just for two. Arlington Park now. But you you look at that and you say, you know, I didn't mind a $2 pick six because you actually have to be a good handicapper to play it, right? I mean, you made your, you made your bread and butter off of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, even the pick nine, to some extent, you had to be smart with it when, when they had it at Santa Anita. And you never thought about the, you never really thought about the, the takeout, at least I never did, because there was so much money in that pool, it didn't matter. And now with the 20 cent, for instance, 20 cent jackpot pick six, which I think is the biggest joke in racing, and I won't even touch it. I mean, it's tough to make a living off of this. You, you know, I... I, I'll say this. I, I agree with you across the board. I think the 50 cent, you know, minimums and the 20 cent minimums have been a disaster. I made a living playing the horses for many, many years. And we both know how difficult that is and how, how few people are able, able to do that. I did it for over 20 years and, and, I, and I lived well. And I'll be the first to admit that I am very glad that I'm not in a position to have to do that today because I don't know that I could with the same success. Uh, it's, it's, it's a completely different landscape, but I do know that there are certain elements of, of doing that that you needed back then and you need now. And, and as, you, as you alluded to before, as you, you said, actually, is discipline is one of them, okay? You absolutely have to be disciplined. And... As, as important as good handicapping is, you have to know how to bet, okay? And, you know, handicapping can be a, a, a tricky, subjective thing. You know, you could look for certain kind of angles. Caitlin can look for certain kind of angles. I can look for certain kind of angles. And they can all work for us as individuals, more respectively. But if you don't know how to bet those right, okay, and capitalize on them, you can't win no matter how good of a handicapper you are. And that's something that there is a science to and there is a, a, a correct way of doing and take out and a lot of other things tie into that. And there are so many people who just don't grasp that, that, that concept and can't win. I mean, when you look at social media, I could go down a list of, of, of 15 or 20 people on social media that'll post tickets constantly. And some of them are big hit tickets. And I can tell you, this guy at the end of the year didn't win. This guy didn't win. This guy didn't win. Just because of how they bet, how they structure their tickets and what their approach is to the game. And if we had access to their, to their you know, profit and loss or their ADW record, I would bet 100 to 1 that I'm right on every single one of them. Because there's a way, a way to do it and a way not to do it. And, you know, so many people don't get it. And, and, and the problem is that to do it right goes against the grain. And I'll tell you why. Most people instinctively want to cash as many tickets as possible. So they want to use as many horses as possible. And the 50 cent or 20 cent uh, minimums allow them to do that. Okay. I don't want to do that. 
Okay, I don't ever want to do it. What I want to do is I want to be right, maybe less, but when I'm right, cash for more. So I want to have that pick five that you've got for 50 cents and, and, and are looking to hit one, you know, big one over the course of a, of a meet or of a year or of, a, of a six months. I want to have a couple of them for five or 10 or $20 that maybe pay less, but, but pay me much more money when, when I'm right. Um, so I'll say something that sounds wrong, but it's not. I'll say, I want to cash less tickets, but win more money. So, you, you, you know, that, that's a hard thing for somebody to embrace. It's, it's hard to get the average mind around that concept because it goes against instinctively wanting to cash as many tickets as possible. Well, I don't want to let this horse beat me and I don't want to let that horse beat me. And this horse has a shot, so I want to use them all. Can't win. Can't win like that. And I think uh, Kaylin can attest to this. I think one of the things that I have learned you know, we do the daily gallop, Caitlin and I, for daily gallop, where we do it every weekend. And there's 72, 72 players in that. And I think maybe 5% of them, maybe even less, are at a positive ROI. And it's basically shows nor everybody, like the daily person, that if you play every single race just to win, you're not going to make money. You no. know? And I... I go back and I look, I used to make fun of a handicapper called Curtis Crayon out from Los Angeles. He was in the LA times. He would pick the, he would win maybe 10% of the time, but when he won, those horses paid $80, $60, $70. And I never understood then how he had all this money. Well, it's because he probably waited for those horses to hit the ones that he knew he was going to hit. He probably bet those and didn't hit and sat on everything else. And, you know, I think we're programmed as humans that when you first start working or when you start, first start going to the racetrack, you have to have action in every race. And I think that's something that needs to stop. Oh, I agree. You, you, you know, and, and simulcasting was a big part of that. I mean, it used to be that when you went to the races, you were locked into one track, you know, and all the monitors were showing that that track, but just different angles. One was showing the exact payoffs. One was showing, you know, the, the, the horses. One was showing the wind, the, the, the wind pools. Now you've got different tracks on every TV. You've got people not doing their homework because you can't handicap four or five tracks in, in, in the course of a day. And like you said, people just want action at every track, at every race, and whatever TV is showing a race, they're under it, you know, betting. And, and, and you know, you can't, you, you, you can't win long-term that way. You know, this... This game makes a lot of millionaires that bet like that if, if you start as a billionaire. Yeah. Caitlin. So I'm going to pivot away from that a little bit. And I kind of want to talk about past the wire because it's something that is so near and dear to you. And it was something that I used to work with you on. So I just kind of wanted to talk and touch on that a little bit. I guess I never really knew where the concept of past the wire came from. The concept of past the wire is, 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 is almost funny how it started. Uh, I was never involved in social media or anything like that. I was always a, a very, very, very private person. And if not for past the wire and not for some personal things in my life, I, I, I never would have got involved with it, but you know, I wound up on social media as, as the, um, 
because a, a, a friend of mine actually is like, oh, you got to have an account on social media. You got to have a Facebook. You got to have a Twitter. I'm like, I don't want any of that stuff. And uh, she wound up setting it up for me, you know, and she's like, no, nah, just go on there and put like you're into horse racing, put racehorse pictures up there. And she started putting racehorse pictures up there. And, you know, I would go on maybe once a week or once every other week and just check it out and look at it. And uh Anonymous Dan, Dan Tordman, who had Anonymous Racing at the time, put out something saying, listen, anybody ever wants to write a column, um, a guest column for my website, you know, send one in. So I messaged them or whatever, or tweeted them, whatever, and said, I, I would like to, you know, try that. And, you, you know, I'm not a writer, and I'm certainly not a reporter or a media person or anything like that, but I'm, I'm actually a high school dropout. I never even went to high school. So I said, I'll try it. And I wrote an article about when I hit the pick six, um, when Smarty Jones um, lost to Birdstone. And I sent it to him and he published it and people loved it. And I was getting messages and everybody was reading it and retweeting it, this and that. And he was like, oh, that was great. You know, it, it, it was so good for the website. Everybody loved it. If you ever want to do it again, you know, let me know. I'm like, sure, I'll do it again. And it wound up for about four or five months, maybe even six months, I did one every week for him. And they were very popular and I got into it and I, and, and, and I liked it and I enjoyed doing it, you know? And what happened was after about six months, I said, listen, I says, you know what? I've got an idea. I, I wanna run it by you. And I told him, I said, I'm thinking of starting a, a website. And I called like by the second or third column, he told me, he says, why don't you come up with a name for your column? So I came up with Pass the Wire, and I, I don't even remember exactly how. I think I asked some of my friends, hey, anybody got an idea for names? They all sent me in names, and I went with Pass the Wire. And uh, ultimately, that's how it started. He said, yeah, no, start your own website, do it. And uh, I did. We started it. And, you know, last year, uh, which I, I found was amazing, we had 3.1 million website views at Pass the Wire over the course of, of last year, which... That's up there with the big people in the industry, Pollock, Bloodhorse, Thurberdale. I mean, that's, you know, right there with, with, with those like, you know, big, big people. So we don't have as big a name as them, obviously. Uh, but we had the same traffic, which I thought was quite an accomplishment, starting the way that we did really, really from 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 nothing, you know. Uh, and, and when you go on the site now, you look, uh, we've got a lot of really original content. We've got a lot of stuff on there that people don't talk about. You know, I, 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 I joke with some of the people that we work with. I'm like, you look at some of the topics that are coming up now and people are debating on, on, on social media now and talking about now and suggesting to people. And I'm like, I wrote articles on that stuff a year and a half ago, two years ago, and they're talking about it now, you know, and you sure. can go back and look and I'm like, you know, ding dong, I wrote that, you know, two years ago. And, you know, you guys are bringing it up now. So, you know, I sit back and I watch and I'm like, you know, we came a long way. So I appreciate you asking, Caitlin, and you were a part of that for a while. So, you know, we appreciate, you know, what, what you did, your articles still get read on our, on our site. Um, and they're part of that unique content that, you know, you really don't find any, anywhere else. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a fun, interesting journey for sure. I, I, think, I love oh, Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I loved being a part of it. I loved what me, you and Nick did there for about a year, kind of doing a lot of really cool stuff together and just with the site. And it's just something that I'll always remember and a site that I really, really love. And I still read it all the time. It's something that, like you said, it provides a lot of, it's a unique experience for the reader. 
You know, and Nick, Nick, I have to say, Nick really brought it to a whole nother level. When he got involved, you know, he was like, John, what are you doing with this website? You know, and I'm like, you know, he, he was a, a dear friend of mine when he asked me, and I'm like, I don't know, I just write columns every week. I do this, I do that. He goes, you know, he goes, you've got such a, a knack and, 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 and the site is becoming so popular. I think you can really, really do something with it. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know what I mean? You, you know, come on board, help me, show me, do it. You know, and he did and he came on board and he's really who took the site to like a whole nother um, lack of a better term. He took it to like a whole nother commercial level where it really became like almost a, a, a media site, you know, where, uh, you know, news and we've got this and we've got that we've got people writing for us all over the world we've got people in dubai england ireland i mean it's 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 you know it's 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 really grown and nick is a big part of that because if not for him it'd probably still be just little old me in this in this room here writing a column every every week he he's the one that really took it to the next level absolutely you know the one thing one thing i enjoy about your site and you know you touched about all the things you guys do there uh are the trip notes that you guys put out for for a cost but i mean it's definitely worth it uh, it's, if people it's don't so have the time i don't even know what it costs it's about i, I think it's like 19 dollars a month or something which is cheaper than any product out there and we do put a lot into it and it's you know it's done in a way and if you've seen it you know it's done in a way where it, I, I, I try to make it educational to any level player. It's just another set of trained eyes, you know, another set of, of, of schooled eyes that have been watching races for a long time, making observations. And I think that's good at, at any level, no matter what kind of player you are. Um, you know, one of the things we miss now by, you know, so much playing at home and playing on our ADW and playing on, on, on the phone and not being at the track is not having you know, not standing next to you and Caitlin, hey, what did you guys think of that race? Or who do you like in this race? Or what do you think it is? Or what did you think of that horse's last race? We don't, we, we lose that when we play from home and on ADWs. Um, and I don't think you really get that the same on, on social media. So uh, I try to, you know, try to give that kind of perspective there. And that, that's one of the things I think we were trying to bring to our Saturday stuff. Uh, that's live. It's like everybody's sticking or everybody's around. We're looking at six or seven races going off at the same time. Somebody pulls up something and goes, you know what? I kind of like this horse on this race and this is why. And gives a little handicapping tidbit. But, you know, I remember when, when uh, Hollywood Park came out with their, um, their, their video programs where you actually had to call up a video booth and say, hey, I want to see on the menus race from March 6th. And they pull it up and they say, okay, 10 minutes. And then you wait by this big screen and watch the race. And it's like, at first I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. But once I realized how big of an advantage it is to watch every single race, it became like, second nature for me to just be sit, sitting there and going you know what this is an angle that hardly anybody uses because now everybody wants to go they'll handicap a race and they'll believe whatever is on the whatever is on the drf or brisnet is scripture and verse and they'll bet it that way and you're like no i didn't see that yeah no i i, I agree for me personally watching replays is one of the most important tools if not the most important tool 
in my preparation to bet to bet a race card. Absolutely. I, I, I rely a lot. I'd rather rely on my own eyes than anybody else's opinion. I like I mean, that. I mean, the one, the funny part was, is, um, God, what was it? When Beholder had her first start um, against executive privilege, I remember watching that race at Del Mar and she made this huge run from the three quarter from the half mile pole to the quarter pole and then she flattened out and i remember asking the gallup girl uh three days later i go i go she wasn't fit right and he she goes oh no she's not even ready to to fire she goes next time she runs she's gonna air and i'm like okay cool so next time i go and i'm waiting to bet on her thinking i'm gonna get 20 to 1 again and i got one to five i'm like i can't bet her <laughs> like i can't bet her but I ended up using her in her allowance race before the Breeders' Cup to play because every, all the money was going on the Saddler filly. Nice. And so I singled her in a pick five and the pick five paid like 27,000. And it was all because of, it was all because of trip reports on every single race. It wasn't because I had to read the form. It was because I knew every single horse at Santa Anita at the time. Right. And if somebody does that, I think they're better off with it. Oh, I agree. Like, like I said, it's, 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 it's probably my most important tool and what I rely on, on, on the most. And I won't make a big bet nowadays unless I've watched, you know, the replays and have some notes to fall back on, on, on the horse I like and on some of the other horses in the race too. Cause you know, one of the things I like to look for that a lot of people don't, you know, everybody looks, likes to look for like, you know, the, who they perceive to be the fastest horse or the best last race and stuff like that. I, I like to look for other things. You know, I like to look for maybe a horse that won that, you know, the race looked better than it really was because everything fell into place or, you know, they got the lead by themselves or the speed was, was cheap or killed itself and they closed and the speed was really coming back as opposed to them really closing fast and just things like that reverse angles of what everybody else is looking for or everybody else sees it. I like to kind of see, well, is there another way that really plays out that can maybe give me an edge with a play, you know? Go ahead, Caitlin. So I guess I have to ask since, you know, I really wasn't going to bring it up, but since yeah. it is such a unique race and it's the best race I have seen as far as a derby prep this year, how do you see the Rebel unfolding this weekend? Well, you know, I, I, re I really haven't handicapped it yet. And, uh, you know, I can't really form an opinion until I handicap it. I, I think that Concert Tour is a really, really nice horse. Uh, and I always respect Bob when he ships into Oakland as, you know, I guess anybody should, cause he just, just kind of, kind of dominates over there, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really sold on him being as good as a lot of people think that he is. So when I glanced at the past performances, which I have, um, at first look, I thought, you know, I think this might be a time to take a shot against him, uh, uh, you know, shipping in. And I, I did see him, a friend of mine sent me a picture of him coming off the van. And of course he looked like, like he had already won the race. He just had that air about him. Like a lot of, a lot of those good horses do, but uh, you know, just going off the past performances and, and, and watching his last race, which I thought he had to work a little bit harder than, 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 than expected. 
uh, and the fact that he's going to be going two turns. I, you know, my first thought in looking at the past performances was, you know, this could be a, a good time to bet against the short price Bob Baffert horse at Oakland, um, which is not something I would, I would normally say or, or, or think that I would normally do. You Normally I would just say, ah, you know what, I'm not even going to try and beat him because he's probably just going to win at the short price. But this one looked a little vulnerable to me. So now that I said that, he'll probably, I should get a piece of the purse because he'll probably win by five at that now that I said that. So, you know, Honestly, when I looked at it, sorry, Andy, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, when I looked at it on paper, I kind of, thought the same thing concert tour is a very nice horse but i think life is good is definitely baffert's best derby hope so when i ended up seeing the race i thought this turned out a lot better than i thought it was going to and i know he brought hosier in there to probably soften up caddo river a little bit but i still would probably agree with you that this is maybe a chance where you could take a stand against yeah, you know, I mean, I think Steve S. Mustin has a horse or two in there. I think he had a horse that won two, two races. I'm going off memory. I just look quick. He had a horse that won two races at the fairgrounds that he shipped in, in there now for this race. And I thought that horse might have enough seasoning around the two turns to maybe give him a tussle, especially if there's a, a little bit of a pace squabble with uh, Mandaloon and, and Hosier and, and, and you know, concert tour probably wanting to stay close to them or, or, or keep them in range and coming out of those sprints, I'd imagine he'd be close to the pace or, 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 or if not, maybe even possibly right on it. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I, I think it could be a, a, an interesting race betting wise, and it might be one of the rare opportunities to beat a short price Baffert horse at, at, a, at, a, at an Oakland Derby prep. What do you think, Andy? Uh, I'm, I'm in the boat of, of Jonathan, I haven't even sat down to look at the card yet because I'm so focused on Sam Houston right now that, you know, I'll wait until like Friday night to, to probably handicap it. I'm always going to take a stand on a, on a Baffert horse, plain and simple. I just, I just am not a big fan of him, even though he's probably going to end up winning the race. But uh, I do like Cattle River in there. I think he's just shown a lot. And I think Brad's doing the right thing by trying to keep Caddo and Elusive separated at the present Thank moment. That. You know, Caddo River, to, to a point I made before, he's a horse where, you know, he's coming off that big win at, 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 at Oakland Park. And that's a race that I thought, you know, everybody raved about, but I thought probably looks better than it really was. Um, he's a nice horse and there was nobody to run with him early. And, you know, a, a, a good horse in a good barn, well-prepped, that's got nobody to run with him early is supposed to win, win, win easily like that. So, you know, I thought he did what he was supposed to do and it was nothing to, you know, wave banners about, you know, so he's another one, I would say, uh, you know, as, as a good of a horse as I think he probably is, he's one that I might be willing to take a shot against on Saturday. I think keep me in mind is a horse that's kind of interesting in that race as well. I agree with that. I agree with that. that that's another one that I, I forgot about. The, the two that I were looking at was was keep me in mind. And uh, um, like I said, Steve has a horse in there that's, that's got two wins or two good races at fairgrounds recently. And I don't I don't remember his name. Um, but uh, those were the two that kind of caught my eye. But I think it's I, I think it's going to be an interesting race. And I'm a big fan of Oakland. I think they put on a big show. Um, I, you know, I actually spent a couple of years there. A lot of people don't know that because my accent doesn't kind of fit with, with hot springs, but, 
I, I spent a couple of years there. I bought, I actually had a house on, uh, on Lake Hamilton there for a couple of years. And I went to Oakland every day for about, um, I don't know, three, three or four years. And I made a lot of dear friends there that I'm still close with to this day. And, uh, it was a very interesting place to live because, you, you know, hot springs, I, I, they used to get mad at me because I would call it the poor man Saratoga, which I meant no disrespect to the town, but it was like a little bit of a Saratoga type town because the thing, anywhere else in the world you go, except for maybe Lexington, but there's like kind of a negative stigma around horse racing, you know, oh, where are you going? I'm going to the track and people look at you like, oh, you're going to a racetrack, you know? In Hot Springs, and even in Little Rock, which is about a half hour away, on Friday afternoon, you no, nobody's working. Everybody's closed and gone to the racetrack during the meet. You know what I mean? It's like expected. It's encouraged. It's okay. And there's no negative stigma. Like, oh, where are you going to the races? You know, so I kind of, you know, for me, I loved it. I loved it, that kind of environment. And I loved, you know, uh, the, the, the town because of that, because it was really a true a true racing town. And like I said, I, I called it the poor man Saratoga. I love that. I love Hot Springs Village so much. It's just a neat little town. The fact I, I was asking Joe Steiner um, the other day on a phone call, I go, hey, uh, I need to know ahead of time, are they allowing you to still get water out of out of the hot springs there in the water fountains? And he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, they allow you to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, that's all I need. I'm going to bring home like three or four jugs of water from hot springs and have them because it's the best water in the world. Yeah, it is. It is good. It's a, it, was, it was an interesting place. I enjoyed my time there a lot. I really did. So, you know, we were talking about the, the trip notes and all that and you looking at it. And last year was such an anomaly when it came to the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown. How did you go about deciphering the triple crown through trip notes? Well, I, I don't know that I looked at it really in any differently. I mean, I thought the horses, you know, not really trip note related, but I thought, you know, we could see something funny because it was a little, uh, a little different because the horses were more developed, you know, it was run later in the year. I think if it was run on time, you know, Charlton probably would have would have, would have would have won it. I know he got hurt, but it, you know he was being rushed to make a race that wasn't going to wind up running until you know months later. So had things gone differently, I think Charlton probably would have won it if not for the pandemic. But that that aside, I approach. I can tell you what, what, what wound up happening to me because it was a little frustrating from a from a, from a betting angle. I loved the Chad Brown horse that won the turf race before the Derby. Um, was like seven to one and I singled him on all my tickets and I made a nice bet on him and I wound up alive for a lot of money in the pick six and the pick five I was alive I bet I didn't bet a lot of money I had invested just under two thousand dollars and and this will show you about how knowing how to bet means a lot now granted I'd be the first to admit I didn't win and close the deal but on a two thousand dollar bet if honor AP wins the derby I collect $500,000. That's a lot of money. Okay. If Sol Volante, who didn't run a step at all, wins the Derby, I collect a cool million dollars on a $2,000 bet. Okay. That's a lot of money to put yourself in a position to win half a million or a million dollars on a $2,000 bet is hard to do coming down to one race. Okay. 
And it was kind of exciting because I really liked my chances after that horse won the turf race and you got that hour till the derby. I sat there and I'm like, you know what? I got a heck of a shot to win this thing and, 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 and take down a nice score here. And it was over so fast because out of the gate, Honor AP was 100 lengths back and Sol Volante was 200 lengths back. I'm like, I got no shot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even going to get a chance to root. Like, this is just, just, you know, you know, start crying now. And as it turned out, what always frustrates me about that race was I read everything about Honor AP afterwards, how he got hurt and how he ran the last fastest quarter mile and how he traveled so many more feet than the winner. And I was like, I don't know. It didn't look to me like he could have won. It looked to me like he just, you know, picked up some stragglers late. But all the science, like trackers and all that other stuff, they all say, you know, if better trip, he might have won. So that just kind of irks me a little bit. But <laughs> I did put myself in a position to win half a million or a million on about a $2,000 bet, which, like I said, is not a very easy thing to do. But here's the thing. I didn't even, you know, once it was over, I shrug it off because I'm a professional. And that's what I do. But I know, okay, I didn't close the deal this year. <clears throat> I'll close one soon enough the same way. You know what I mean? So if you bet to take down hits like that and you know how to structure tickets and you're not afraid to take a seven to one stand in the race before that and let it ride, you know, you can do it. But you have to have that discipline and you have to have that mindset to, you know, yeah, I, I could have used authentic. I could have used his the law. I could have used all those other horses, but then I wouldn't have been alive with the pick five so many times and the pick six the way that I was. So, you, you know, you have to be willing to say, okay, I didn't win this time, but I know I'm good enough to do it another time. I've done it before. And you stay in the fight that way. I think, I think that's the one thing that um, people forget. You know, it's kind of like one of those things to where people want to make money in this game, but they're, they're, they're also afraid to lose it. Right. So they won't take a stand on something. And I've done it a few times. I did it with Thunder Snow in, in the Breeders' Cup a few years ago at, Church, at Churchill because I just thought he was the best horse in training. And then, of course, they end up going on the rail instead of to the outside because the rider didn't know what part of the track to be on. And he finishes third. So there goes my pick fours and my pick fives. But you know what? In my heart of hearts, I knew I made the right play. Gun runner, the same thing. You know, it, I think when you get to a certain point in your age, you know, like you and I, we've seen a lot. We know a lot. We, we know enough to, to keep on our, when we see something, we know it, right? Yeah, and we don't question it. Whereas, no offense, Caitlin, but someone as young as Caitlin or someone as young in their 30s probably be like, no, nah, that can't be true. No, no. No, I, I get it. There are certain things come with experience. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Gun Runner because that goes to something that I mentioned earlier where I try and look at something and see it a way that everybody is not seeing it. I'll give you a great example. When Arrogate won the Dubai World Cup, everybody raved what a great race he ran. And he did. We all saw him break bad and we all saw him come and win anyway. But, you know, after that race, you know who my notes were on? Gunrunner. And I'll tell you why. I was like, Gunrunner went to the lead in the desert without Lasix that he's used to running on, on a track that every dirt race that night came from way out of it. Every single one came from way out of it, including Arrogant. He was one of the few horses that ran on the lead 
that hung around to stay in the money. So I, my note was, you know what? Arrogant is great. I get it. I saw it like everybody else did. But Gunrunner is going to be special. This horse is 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 dead game and, and ran a heck of a race. And that's something that really nobody was talking about after that. Everybody was talking about Arrogant. Oh, I I think um, I had Gunrunner in the in the Dubai World Cup because the entire meet that entire time up until that day, everything on the lead was holding. And then the one day that I needed the lead to hold, everything was coming from off the pace. Right, and everything and was like, off the pace that night. Yeah. And so once that happened, I was like, this is the best horse in training. I'm never going to bet against him. He's going to win the Breeders' Cup if he, goes, if he goes through. And if I get anything better than even money, I'm hammering the crap out of him. And I got eight to five. And I'm like, this is, this is a gift. Because everybody was betting West Coast, everybody was betting the Saddler, and it just boggled the mind. Now I know Caitlin likes to do this, so we're going to ask a couple quick questions, and then we're going to let you go. Favorite horse you've seen live? Oh, I've seen so many, but I would have to gun to my head say say Ruffian. Wow, I got We're going to have to hear that story one day well, well i'll just tell you real quick you talk about a filly who was 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 never headed won every race that she ran in uh one from five furlongs to a mile and a half because the coaching club american oaks was a mile and a half and broke or equaled the stakes or track record in every single start i don't think you know, I mean, Kelso's got the three jockey glow. I mean, I know there's a lot of, I don't think you're ever going to see a horse run, run that many times. And you say broke or equaled the track or stakes record every single time. I mean, it's hard to compare horses from different eras and generations. I get that, but the clock doesn't change. You know, the clock is the clock. She broke or equaled the track record every time she finished a race. And the one time she didn't is because she broke down. So I would have to say she was probably the favorite. And I, you know, I, I saw a lot of great horses though. Gun to your head, best jockey or jockey you would use if you had owned a horse? Right now? Yep. Today, Umberto Rispoli or Joel Rosario? Either one, whoever, whoever took the call first. I had, I had a handicapper tell me one day uh, this was like maybe four years ago. Tell me that I needed to get out of uh, Joel Rosario's jockstrap because I was so in love with him. He's a great rider. He is. Caitlin, anything else for our man, Jonathan Stetton? You got to take yourself off mute, 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 mute. Oops. It's because my thing kept taking me off, but I, I love I was, the ruffian. I was trying to read lips, but I have no, no talent for that. <laughs> I love the ruffian story. I think so many people that don't know a lot. I, I think so many people now don't know a lot about ruffian. And everybody's like, well, Zenyatta won 20 some races. Zenyatta couldn't have held a candle to her. Not even close. Uh, 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 an old trainer friend of mine once said something that I will forget. It's, you can't beat what you can't catch. Yeah, the, I like that. It was just always the, in front. You just couldn't catch it. The best, the best horses, the best horses have an air about them. You see it when they walk around. I think I made a comment about Point Given. Uh, seeing him on the track at Santa Anita one day, and he was just all man as a three-year-old when everybody else was still a kid. 
When Ruffian ran, I was at Saratoga one day when she was running. Back then, Saratoga, I don't know if you know this, but the whole setup was different. They used to walk the horses around the trees in the paddock and there were no fences. So you used to be able to walk like like right up to them and, and just, you know, you'd be right there. There was no fence, no barrier. You could hear everything the trainer said and did. I mean, there was just a tree with a dirt strip around it and you could walk as close up to that as you wanted. I mean, I always used to be amazed that nobody ever got kicked or hurt or anything like that. But I remember when Ruffian ran um, in one of the two-year-old stakes that she, she won up there, I went to take a look at her and I stood right there and I was a kid. And I remember thinking, wow, I think they got a ringer here. This is like a, a, a three-year-old Colt or something or four-year-old Colt. There's, there's no way this is a two-year-old filly. She was just big and she looked black. She wasn't, but big strapping monsters with that exact air that you're talking about. Like, I mean, you didn't even need a form. You could just look at her and the horses that she was going to run against that day and know that, that this was, this was over. This was, you know, this was over. Well, well John, we thank you for coming on with us and what were you going to say, Andy? No, nothing. That's what I was going to say, too. Thank you for having me. I appreciate well, it. Well, John? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you well, so that much. That was Jonathan Stetton on with us 